Good morning. Obviously, we're doing things a little different this morning, but that's okay, right? We're shaking things up a little bit. Let me welcome you first. Uh, I'm glad that you have decided to join us here at worship. If you are a guest, uh, thank you for being here. If this is your first time, we're excited that you're here. And and we're going to have a few instructions for you at the end of the service. But for right now, just know that we're just kind of shaking things up today. And the reason is because we're doing something that is so very important. We don't ever want it to become routine. And uh, we want to make sure that we are doing what we are about to do the right way. As you just saw in the video, we're going to be celebrating today with the ordinance of communion. We're going to be taking part in the Lord's Supper. Now, you should have received a cup coming in that has the bread already in there and the juice as well. But if you did not receive one, if you'll just raise your hand, we've got a few deacons that have those. If you do not have one of these, raise your hand, and they're going to walk around. Is anybody not? Man, I think you guys are batting a 1,000 today. That is awesome. Anybody want to make sure everybody's got one? We're going to be taking part in this in a little bit, a little later. All right, I think we're good. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, so again, we're doing things a little bit different today. We're going to be um, taking part in the Lord's Supper Um, And we want to talk about the significance of that. Uh, All of us have seen memorials or monuments, right? I mean, they're everywhere. We see memorials everywhere. Uh, One that I've been to a few times is the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. And uh, it's amazing. I mean, you know, that that whole area uh, is just uh, uh, an amazing uh, setting. And uh, I've shared before how much... I uh, enjoy studying about, uh, about Abraham Lincoln, um, but there's something interesting about that monument. It was dedicated in 1922 on, Mar- on May the 30th, um, and it cost at the time $2 million, which is a lot of money now. It was really a lot of money then. It was the result of eight years of American elbow grease and 38,000 tons of marble. It's an amazing structure if you've ever been there. It's awe-inspiring. But there's one thing I didn't know about it until recently. Some of you may know there is actually a typo at the Lincoln Memorial. I didn't know this. After all that, $2 million, eight months of work, uh, or 38 months of work, rather, um, and, uh, or eight years, rather. I'll get it right in a minute. 38,000 tons. All of that, they find a typo. And if you look, if you go in, Lincoln is facing east. If you go in and turn to the right, I'm going to look for this next time we go. I haven't seen it. His second inaugural address is is printed um, on the north side of the monument. And within that, he talks about this is, he gave this inaugural address two months after, right at two months after the 13th Amendment was passed. And so he's, you know, the Civil War has ended and a very bloody war. And he talks about his hope for the future. A high hope for the future is the quote that, that it's supposed to contain. But evidently, according to the engraver, it was a high hope for the future. And you can see, here's how they, this is the way it looks now. You can see they filled in part of the E with a different color stone so that it looks from a distance like future. But you can, I mean, it still looks like it now. Once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? Well, the, I didn't know that. So next time, you better believe I'm going to the north wall and I'm looking to see this because it's still that way today. 
Well, this is just a reminder. I mean, this is a memorial, right? I mean, it is, and, and memorials are, are, are wonderful. But as, as wonderful as they are, you can never perfectly memorialize the person that you're talking about because how do you put into uh, a monument or a plaque or whatever what that person actually meant to you, what they did? Um, they're imperfect. They're wonderful, and we need them, and Lincoln certainly deserves one, but this is just a reminder. This is imperfect and temporary, right? And one day, it's all going to be gone. Well, there's one memorial that I believe is perfect, and that is the Lord's Supper. It is a perfect memorial because it was instituted by Jesus Christ, who is perfect. Now, what is a memorial? A memorial is simply, uh, just to kind of give a definition, is simply keeping someone's memory alive. That's what it means. You're keeping the memory of somebody alive. And with the Lord's Supper, we understand that we are not just keeping the memory of Jesus alive. He is alive. He's alive today. And so this morning, we're going to talk about what it means. Now, if I were to hand you a piece of paper and say, write down what the Lord's Supper means, would you be able to do that? Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. Maybe this is your first time as a new believer. You're going to be taking part in the Lord's Supper, and you don't understand the significance. Maybe you've been doing it for years, and you know exactly what it means. You know the significance, and and that's wonderful. Maybe you've been doing it for years, and you don't truly know what it means. It's just something we do every now and then, and you don't know exactly what it means. And and listen, that that may be because someone hasn't explained it to you properly. Well, We don't want to make that mistake. We want to understand why we're doing this and what the significance is. So we're going to talk about that. There are two ordinances that we practice in the Southern Baptist Church, and one of them is baptism. Uh, when, a, when someone's saved, it's a public profession of faith. Uh, the other is the Lord's Supper, and that's what we're going to be doing today, the Lord's Supper. And so as we prepare, we, we understand that Jesus, this is something that Jesus instituted. Uh, this is Palm Sunday, right? The Sunday before Easter, and uh, before Just before Jesus goes to the cross, he instituted the Lord's Supper. This is one of the reasons I like to do it on Palm Sunday is because I think it puts us in the right frame of mind for Easter. Um, Before he goes to the cross, Jesus gathers his disciples. He takes part. He leads them in the Passover meal, but he applies to it a new meaning, a new significance. And so we find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, where Jesus gathers with his disciples. But today we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's before he goes to the cross. It's before his death, his burial, and his resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when we see Paul addressing uh, the, the congregation in Corinth, uh, he's, he's talking to them after, of course, the crucifixion has taken place, after the resurrection, after Jesus has ascended into heaven. And so he's dealing with a, a group of believers, a, a congregation, a church that obviously is struggling with why they're doing this and, and the meaning of why they're doing this. So Paul is trying to, to, to get their attention back where it should be, to help them understand the significance of the Lord's Supper, of why they are to do it and what it means when they do it. And so that's very applicable to what we're trying to do today. We want to make sure we're doing this the right way for the right reasons. And so we're looking at verses 23 through 32 of 1 Corinthians 11. And there are three things 
that we do in observing the Lord's Supper that I'm going to highlight that will help us understand why we do this and what the significance of it is. The first is this. When we take part at the table of Jesus, we don't have a little table this morning. We're passing these out beforehand, but we're just going to pretend that we're at a table this morning, okay? We can use our imaginations. We're invited to sit down at the table of Jesus. And when we come to his table, one of the things that we do is we remember his provision. We remember the provision, what he has provided for us. So let's look at the first couple of verses here, verse 23 through 25. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus wants us to remember him. He wants us to remember something about him, something specific. And he, a very pivotal word in those first few verses that we're looking at today is the word remembrance. And the word remembrance means to look past, look back on a past vivid experience. And don't just think about it, but to dwell on it. Jesus wants us to think back to what he did and dwell on it. We have things in our lives that bring memories, vivid experiences. I have a couple that remind me of things this morning or times in my life. One, and Gracie's going to love this, this is Gracie's first pair of ballet shoes. I don't think they fit anymore. She's still doing ballet. She's got point shoes now, the whole nine yards. But these are the first ones. And it brings a very vivid memory to my mind of her first little ballet recital in the afternoon at Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I just, you know, I won't go into a full description because I don't want to embarrass her too much. It was, it was, she was just cute little, you know, I know I am going to, it just, I mean, it's just a special memory. Also, you know, kind of makes me a little sad because she's, you know, not this, this small anymore, but it's been a joy watching her grow and watching her develop and stick with this for as many years as she has. But this is a past vivid memory, right? And I could dwell on this for a while. I know y'all are ready for me to move on, but I could dwell on this for a while. I also have, in August, we were helping my parents clean out the house that I grew up in. They finally sold it. They had moved out a few years prior to that. And in cleaning out uh, my old bedroom, I found the first Bible that I remember my parents giving me. And that's a little worse for the wear. You can see, I mean, it was in a closet, but it's got my name on it, Donald Allen Hayes. This first Bible I had with my name engraved on it. Um, and this brings back past vivid memories of my early childhood, going to, to, to church, Sunday school, the whole nine yards, learning to follow along with the pastor as he read, all that sort of thing. Uh, so this is a past vivid memory. And we have these things, right? We have things in our lives that bring about those, those experiences. And as we look at them, we hold them, and it's almost like we're there again, right? We can picture what's going on. We can, we can think of, of things we were doing. Um, and that's part of what this is supposed to be. When we take this, this bread and this cup, 
It's supposed to cause us to think about what Jesus did. With the Lord's Supper, we have a visual that represents a past vivid experience. And you and I are to think about that. We are to dwell on it. To let it saturate our hearts and our minds. Specifically, Jesus and his cross. What he did that day. And the events around it. Before, during, and after. All that happened there. We're to remember the fact that God and his plan to rescue us from sins. Jesus Christ became man. Jesus who was God. And, and, and God who was man. Fully God, fully man. Came to this earth. He lived a sinless life, and he went to the cross to pay the price for our sins, to do something that you and I could not do. He died for you, and he died for me. We are to think about that. He sacrificed to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He did it himself. In our sins, we could not earn God's favor. We could not be good enough. There's no act we could perform. We could not die for ourselves. We were in sin. And so instead of leaving us in sin, Jesus came from heaven and became human and suffered and died to pay the price for our sins. We are to think about that, and not just in a passing way. We are to to think about that and remember it in the sense that we are dwelling on that, the significance, what he did for us. And, and, And we understand that the only way we can get right with God is by accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And the only reason we can do that is because he went to the cross. We remember the price he paid, the rejection, the beating, the cruelty, going to the cross. He took all of those things. He took on our sin for us. We think about words that we've said, thoughts that we've had, things that we've done against him, things that we've done that were wrong. We think about all of those things. He took all of that on himself on the cross. He bore our sins. He bore the punishment that we deserved. He suffered the wrath of God. He even suffered separation from his father when he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We think about that. We dwell on that. We don't just give it a passing thought. We're not just taking a sip of juice and a stale cracker. We are thinking about what Jesus did. It's a representation. and It is a perfect representation. It is a perfect memorial of that past event. What God is saying when we do this in a few moments is he's saying, I want you to stop everything in your life. Put it all outside for a few moments. Everything you brought in here, set that aside, and I want you to think about what I did. I want you to think about what I sacrificed. I want you to think about what I rescued you from. I want you to think about you could not pay that price yourself, so I paid it for you. What does that mean, the significance? If you're a believer, think about the fact that Jesus has changed your life. Think about the fact that you have hope now. When we're lost in sin, we are hopeless. No future. Nothing beyond this temporary existence. But now, those of us who are in Christ, we have hope for this life, and we have assurance of eternal life. That's what hope is in the Bible. It's not, gee, I hope so. It's assurance. We have that now. God says, I want you to think about the hope that you have because of what I did. I want you to think about the fact that nothing can take that away. When we, when we practice this, when we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, the salvation that we've received, with that comes the assurance of knowing that no one or nothing you do can ever take that away. You are his, and you are secure in his hands. He says, I want you to think about that. Think about that. Dwell on that. The Lord's Supper puts a stop sign right in the middle of our busy lives and says, stop for a few moments 
and think about what I've done. Think about what you've received, what I've given you, the gift. Stop everything. The Lord's Supper is a symbolic memorial. Like the Lincoln Memorial, I mean, all memorials are a symbolic memorial. It represents what he did. This does not actually become the body of Jesus. It doesn't actually become the blood of Jesus. Some people believe that, but it doesn't. I do think there, there is almost a supernatural thing that goes on when we take part in this, but it is not literally the body and blood. It is a symbolic memorial of the body of Christ that was broken, that, that was pierced, that was beaten. It's a symbolic memorial of the blood of Christ that was shed so that our sins could be covered. It symbolically represents what Jesus did, and God says, I want you to remember that. What we're doing this morning is a remembrance. It's a memorial. However, in the Lord's Supper, we're not doing a religious performance for God. Okay, We are remembering what Jesus performed for us on the cross. He's saying, you can't be good enough. That's why I came. You can't do a performance that will earn your way into heaven. You can't work your way in. That's not what this is about. He's saying, I want you to remember what I performed for you, my sacrifice for your sins, the sufficiency of my sacrifice, my body that was beaten, that was pierced, that was nailed to a tree, my blood that was poured out for you. That is what I did for you. That's what he's saying. You can't get into heaven on your own, but I'm making a way. When I went to the cross, I performed the greatest perfect, the only perfect sacrifice for sins. You think about that. You chew on that. You dwell on that. We remember his provision. Jesus says, stop everything and remember that because nothing, nothing is more important than that. We also remember his promise. We think about the promise that Jesus makes. Look again at verse 25. He says, in the same way, Paul says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Zero in on that phrase, the new covenant. The new covenant in my blood. Now, that's important because the Lord's Supper is a reminder of the covenant that God made with the remnant of his people after the exile. When they returned from the exile, he made them a promise. It's a promise that goes back from the time that man sinned, that God would provide a way for man to be redeemed. But we see in Jeremiah, he referred to it in Jeremiah 31, 31, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Ezekiel and Isaiah called it the covenant of peace. Other prophets described it as an everlasting covenant and the covenant of love. Jesus' death and resurrection is fulfillment of that. It is the new covenant. The old covenant now has been fulfilled. It is the new covenant that we have in Christ. And what does that mean for us? Well, the new covenant means one thing. We live in the power of God now. We have power over sin. Power in the blood of Jesus over sin. What we were powerless to change, sin, to get rid of, we now are free from sin. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we live now in that power. We could not, 
We, we, can't, we don't have to sin anymore. Yes, we still mess up. We all make mistakes, but that's because we choose to go our own way instead of using the power that God gives us by his presence in our lives. So when we take, when we sit down at the table of Jesus, we should be reminded of the fact that with this new covenant, with the sacrifice, the new life that Jesus offers, we have power over sin and we can live a life that pleases God, a new life. In his strength, in his power, a new, you know, it's not like we're just looking for, we are looking forward to heaven, but we're not just looking forward to heaven going, man, I, I can't wait till I get there and experience the presence of Jesus and the power of Jesus. I mean, yes, it will be unique and it will be like nothing we've ever imagined, but we have that now. We have the presence and power of Jesus in our lives now, so it's new life now. But yes, it is anticipation of the new life in eternity with Jesus for all of eternity in heaven. So that's what we should think about. Jesus says, remember that. At the Lord's table, we also remember the promise of his presence. You know, to dine and to eat with someone in this day meant that you were considered a friend, almost family, right? We were enemies of God in sin. We lived contrary to his will. We could not please him in sin. Nothing we could do could make ourselves holy because we were tainted with sin. But now because of what Jesus did, Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to think back on what I did. When you take part in this, I want you to think about the fact that because of my sacrifice, because of my death, because of the resurrection, because of the salvation that you now have, you are now no longer my enemies. You are my friend. Not only that, folks, we are a part of his family. We are heirs to all that he has. We have a seat at his table today because of what Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection. So when we think about this, Jesus is saying, I want you to remember that. I want you to dwell on that. I want you not just to give it a passing thought. I want you to chew on it for a while. Think about what you have, what we have now because of what Jesus did. We remember his provision, we remember his promise, and we also rejoice in the proclamation of the gospel. We proclaim the gospel by doing this. This is a visual sermon. We are remembering what he did. It is a remembrance of that past vivid experience when when Jesus died on the cross, when he was buried, when he was raised from the dead, and the point in our lives where we realized our need for salvation and the experience of being saved by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. We remember that. We think about the promise that's been fulfilled in Christ through the new covenant, but also the promises that are yet to be fulfilled that we look forward to in eternity. We think about those things, but we also, in doing this, we are preaching a sermon. We want to make sure we're doing this the right way. We, we want to know why we're doing it, what we're doing. We don't want to just go through the motions. What does it mean? At his table, we proclaim the gospel. Look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That word proclaim means to publicly and openly announce and celebrate. And it involves all of that. It says, whenever I do the Lord's Supper, I'm publicly and openly announcing the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus, and I'm also celebrating all of those things. Yes, it is solemn. It is a memorial, but it's also a celebration. We are thinking about that. We are dwelling on that, but we are also proclaiming what happened when he went to the cross. It is a public 
proclamation. When we come to the Lord's Supper, it's about remembering, but it's also about proclaiming. It's about remembering the the past, what Jesus did, but it's proclaiming Jesus in the present as well. It's not just a memorial of the past. It's a proclamation in the present. And what we remember, what we just talked about, all of those things, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that's also what we proclaim. It is the message that we proclaim. It's also the mission of every church, by the way. What we are doing this morning is, is, is a definition of what our mission is as a church. And we do it in several ways using different methods. And there's a lot of things involved in it. But it is the Great Commission. It is the good news of salvation. It is the gospel. That's what we're proclaiming. We are proclaiming the mission that Jesus took on himself and has now given to us as his followers. The Lord's Supper reminds us of what we're supposed to proclaim, and that's the gospel. Now, the gospel means good news, right? It is the good news, and it's good news because it is life-changing, life-altering, life-saving news of what Jesus did. It's the saving activity of Jesus that's wrapped up in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The work of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection. The goal of the gospel is salvation to all who believe, according to Romans. And what we're doing here is a visible sermon. We partake of this bread, we take this cup, and that in and of itself is a sermon. For as often as you take this bread, he says, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. The cup represents the blood of Jesus. The bread, the body of Jesus. We're proclaiming the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for our sins. But it also says until he comes. Someone who's dead will not be returning, right? It is a reminder that yes, we are proclaiming the death of Jesus. But we are also proclaiming the life of Jesus. That he is a living savior who will one day return to take us home. To be with him. It says, you eat, you drink. Now, unless here in a few minutes somebody pins you down and forces this down your throat, you are going to take it voluntarily. When you go to lunch today, unless somebody pins you down and forces you to eat or forces you to drink, usually when we eat, we do it voluntarily, right? We voluntarily take it and put it inside of us. So here in a few moments, you're going to take this cracker, you're going to put it inside of you, you're going to eat it, you're going to take this juice, you're going to drink it and put it inside of you. And by doing that, you are symbolizing the fact that Jesus Christ is in me and I am in him. It's a representation of the fact, we're proclaiming the fact that we are now in Christ. We belong to him, and by the way, we're also, by doing it together, are saying we belong to each other. We are one body in Christ. When we do this, we are proclaiming the gospel. We are proclaiming to everybody in this room, everybody who's watching online, we are proclaiming what Jesus did by providing a way for us to be saved, that he saved us, and and, and that he's still transforming us, that we are still a work in progress, that he's still working on us, and that he will continue to work on us and will one day complete his work in us. When you and I as believers come to this table, we are expressing our faith in Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior, Messiah, Lord. Now, if I didn't believe in Jesus as my Savior, then why do this? If I haven't trusted in him, then this is really just a, a, a silly ritual, right? If I, if I haven't truly believed in Christ and accepted the gift of salvation that's by grace through faith in him alone, 
then if I take part in this, then the only explanation for why I would be doing this is that I'm trying to earn my way into heaven. That this is one more thing that I'm trying to do to check off my list to say that I've done what I need to do. And part of this, part of what we're proclaiming here is the grace of God. That there is no way that you can earn your way. And that's why this is just for believers. And listen, it breaks my heart, but not everybody has received Christ as Lord. But if you're not a child of God, then you shouldn't take part in this because it means nothing other than a silly ritual. But here's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that if you are not saved, what we are proclaiming here today, a visual sermon, is telling you that, yes, Jesus died for you too. And that you can accept the same salvation that we have received. And that if you are not a part of his family, you can become a part of his family. And that, this, that Jesus Christ is yours and this table can be yours because you are invited to take a seat at the table as well. All you have to do is cry out in faith and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And you can be a part of the family of God. The Lord's Supper doesn't save us. The Lord's Supper does not keep us saved. The Lord's Supper is for the saved, but all are invited to take part of the salvation that God offers. God loves everyone. Now, if you come to Christ, you can be a part of this, and you can, you can, and if not, and you're not sure about this, hey, here in just a few minutes, you just sit back and you watch. You watch the sermon unfold, all right? And you allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to your hearts. And you'll have an opportunity to respond later in the sermon, in the, in the service. Until he comes, though, verse 26, those three little words. After the word death, so very important. Until he comes. He didn't come out of the grave. He didn't just come out of the grave alive. Jesus arose. He Till he comes right now, today, Jesus is alive, he is the King of kings, he is the Lord of lords, and he is on his throne. He's alive today, until he comes. I think the Holman, I'm using the CSB, I think it just says, till he comes. Until he comes. The Lord is coming back. All of this is temporary. Listen, I know life is is hard sometimes. I know there are challenges. I know there's hurts. I know there's pain. Part of what we're doing here is a reminder of the fact that all this is temporary. And one day he will return and he will take us to be home with him. That's what we have to look forward to until he comes. He's coming back. Till he comes, it's not a cemetery. This is, yes, it is a remembrance and it is a memorial, but this is also a celebration. We are celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ is alive today. That he's not dead in a grave somewhere. We're not, we're not hanging our hope on someone who may or may not come back. We are hanging our hope on someone we know will come back because we know he's alive. The evidence of scripture, the way he's worked in our lives, the testimonies of those who saw him, what we see him doing in our lives and in our church and in, in other people's lives. We know that he's alive. He says he will return, so there's never been a promise that God gave that he didn't keep. We know that by the new covenant, right? He's already fulfilled so many promises. We know we can be assured that one day he will come back again. We serve a living Savior. It's not a cemetery. It's a celebration. Jesus is alive. He won the victory. He overcame the world. Now I'm no longer bound by sin. I'm free from sin, and heaven is my home. We celebrate that. And he's saying, listen, when we, when we do this in a few moments, yes, it's a memorial, but if, if, if you feel like smiling, that's okay too because God wants us to celebrate this. All right? 
Yes, it is a balance between serious and celebration, but both are appropriate and both are what we're called to do. We think about the past. We think about his sacrifice, and that should bring tears to our eyes, but we also celebrate the fact that we're free and celebrate the fact that one day he will return. This is a table of love. It is a table of joy. It is a table of hope. The spiritual significance of the Lord's Supper is about Jesus. It's about the gospel. It's about the person of Jesus and the work of the gospel, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the saving activity of the gospel that changed us and will change the world. I just want to simplify that, all right? The Lord's Supper equals the gospel. It is the gospel message. And what does that mean? Well, it's about the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the long-awaited Messiah. He is the Savior of man. It is a memorial, what he did for us. We're thinking about what he did. It is a memorial of the death of Christ, the life of Christ, his sacrifice, his burial, his resurrection, but it is also the message of the gospel. All of that, all of what we remember means that is the message of his life, his death, his resurrection, salvation. And it is also the mission of our lives and of this church to share the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to see other people experience the salvation that we've experienced and to see their lives transformed just like ours have been and are being transformed. That is what we're doing this morning. If you just want to break it down, that's what we are doing today. Now, with that in mind, we're going to go old school this morning, okay? Y'all ready? I want this to be memorable, and this is going to be a little bit memorable. We're going to meditate on these scriptures for the next few moments. You have a handout. It will also be on the screen. We're going to do a responsive reading. I will have a part, and you'll have a part, and here's, here's why I'm doing this. It's not just, you know, because I pulled out my first Bible and thought about doing responsive reading as a child. That's what we used to do in my church growing up. I want us really to take a few moments and just let this sink in, okay, before we take the Lord's Supper. And so that means we're all going to interact with the Scripture this morning. And so I'll begin... And it's, going to be, it's labeled there for you, my part, your part. And so let's just take a few moments and read together. I'll start us off, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread. In the same way, also, he took the cup after the supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep.
Now, those last three verses examine ourselves. We don't take this lightly. We shouldn't take this lightly. I hope you've done that in preparation, but we're going to take just a few moments here. We've taken the scripture and hopefully internalized it. And listen, there's something special and powerful about God's people, the word of God coming from the mouths of God's people together. Now, we've dwelt on this. We've thought about it. Hopefully, we're camping out in our minds and in our hearts. But before we take this, I just want to take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts. And listen, if he reveals something in you that's not right, don't take part in this. Go make whatever's right, needs to be right, and then come back later, okay? Maybe he's calling you to repentance right now. You don't have to wait for an invitation, a formal invitation. Maybe through this you've realized your need for salvation and Jesus, his Holy Spirit is convicting you and pulling you to himself and you need to take this next moment and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and then you can take part in this. You don't have to be a member of this church. You just have to be a member of the family of God. But let's just take a moment and examine our hearts. Father, we come before you today recognizing our imperfections recognizing that we could never earn our way into heaven. We could never earn favor with you by what we do. We could never be good enough, but we don't have to. We think back on that that sacrifice that you made, the life that you lived, your life that was given, your body, your blood, the blood that covers our sins. We think about that. We dwell on that. We exalt you. And in a few moments as we do this, we want you to be glorified in that. We want to perform a proper remembrance, but we also celebrate. We proclaim the good news of the gospel. But before we do that, we examine our hearts. And by we, what we really mean is we need you to examine our hearts. Show us any imperfections. Show us any sin that needs to be confessed. May we lay that at your feet now. Maybe there's someone here who needs to receive you, who has never understood the the gospel, has never understood what it means to be saved, how that that happens, but through hearing the, the, the message of your death, your burial, your resurrection, and the fact that you offer that to all who would believe, salvation to all who would believe, maybe right now in this prayer they just need to turn to you and invite you into their lives and receive you as Lord. For those of us who know you, Father, just... Help us to center right now, in this moment, our hearts, our minds, everything. Nothing nothing else right now is as important as what we're about to do. And that's to focus on what you've done, to remember, to celebrate, and to proclaim. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify you. We exalt you. You alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. You can peel off the top film there, and you'll see the first part, the bread. And as we've just read out loud, as we've talked about, Jesus gathered his disciples in that upper room. He took the Passover, applied new significance, and he says, this represents my body. Take this and eat, and as often as you eat it, you do it. In remembrance of me.
carefully remove the next. In the same way Jesus said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. Take this, and as often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. Now, we're going to have a time of worship here. I told you we're switching things up today. And I want to just, I, I want to reflect on what we've done, and I want to spend time in the presence of God. You've got handy-dandy cup holders in the seat in front of you. You can put these in there. And we're just going to take a moment, a few moments, and we're going to reflect on the salvation that we've received, and we're going to worship, and in doing so, prepare our hearts for the celebration that is coming. We're going to celebrate now and prepare for the celebration that's coming next week as we remember and honor and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Our choir and praise team is going to come as I pray. Father, thank you again for what you've done. We bless your name today. Our desire is to please you, to honor you, to glorify your name. I pray that you would inhabit the praises of your people right now in this moment and that you truly would be glorified and that our lives and our hearts would be changed by what's about to take place and what has taken place. Father, accept our praise today. I pray that it will come from hearts that are pure, that are focused on you, motivated by your love, your grace, your mercy, your sacrifice, and and by the desire to glorify your name. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.